0: Okay, so we're in this uh, sermon series called Treasure in the Kingdom. And uh, if I was going to subtitle my talk today, it would be The King's Reward. Um, and you, you can imagine how terrifying it was last night. I decided, um, I, I met with Craig Carell, uh, a dear friend who preached last week. And we met before he preached. To talk about what we were going to talk about, and um, so last night I decided after leaving work at, at ten o'clock that I would sit in the car and listen to Craig's sermon, and uh, to discover that he preached on the same passage I had prepared my sermon for uh, was a bit of a, uh, a surprise, and um, and so. But after listening to him, I have some different things to draw out of that passage. If you recall, he talked about um, the, the story of the rich young ruler. You know that story where Jesus is walking around and, and this man comes up to him and says, uh, uh, Lord, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, he says, well, you know the law. And he replies, well, those I've kept from my youth. And then he says this, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Now that's an interesting statement when you, when you reflect on it because this is a man who has some wherewithal. Um, are you anything like me where you're driving around and sometimes you go into neighborhoods that you know you would never be able to live in and you start envying. And we even play this game um, sometimes when we take long drives where uh, we pass three houses and the next one is your house. And then we pass three more houses and the next one is your house. Well, it's always fun because, you know, I end up with the, with the trailer um, that's like burned out a little bit or something, right? But but anyway, we have this thing. We have this thought that if you have wealth, if you have money, you have you lack nothing. And Jesus, the first thing that he says to him to confront him is you lack one thing. It's interesting. There is a unique sense of lack That seems to accompany people with wealth. There is a a poverty of thought. That enters in the minds of those whose physical needs are more than cared for. I'm going to pull out my cheat sheet. In other words, with great wealth comes the temptation to think poorly, to value one's own material possessions above people, to forget the purpose of being blessed or the source of all blessing or the mistake of prioritizing one's own excess over someone else's need. Now, isn't it interesting that he says one thing you lack and then follows up and says this very difficult statement. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, I don't know about you. I've heard this, uh, this passage talked about Numerous times and the way that we kind of wiggle our way out of of having to deal with this very difficult statement that Jesus makes. Is that we say, well this was his idol. This was his idol, that's not particularly mine. But if Jesus asked you to give up everything. To go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Would that be difficult for you? Well, I want want to place this in a broader context. That seems a harsh thing for Jesus to ask of the rich young ruler. But if you see it in the light or the context of the incarnation of Christ... Think about it this way. We're talking about Jesus is the one issuing this statement. Requiring of this man to sell everything he has and give it to the poor. Who is it that's requiring that of him? It's Jesus, the incarnate one. Who left everything. Who gave up everything. And when we, when we say everything with Jesus, we mean everything. He came from glory and he gave that up. Uh, just like it says in Philippians chapter 2, Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God something to hold on to, but He emptied Himself. So what He's asking you to do is, by, by comparison, a rather small sacrifice. Asking you to to dislodge yourself from your possessions is really not asking a lot given all the ways in which we have benefited from Jesus' sacrifice. Does that make sense? It does. It does. That makes sense to me. It's like he can ask, he can ask me to do anything given what he's already done for me. So he asks this man... To give up everything that he has. When, um, when I was a younger father, the thing that I miss the most about being a young father was I would sometimes travel and, uh, for a number of days. And when I would return, my kids were anticipating my return. And they would posture themselves behind the windows facing the road where they could see daddy drive up in his car. And so they could see me drive up and pull into the driveway and there were windows over here and I'd see them jumping up and down and I could see their their lips moving daddy's home daddy's home. And then they would move to the other window where they could see me getting out of my car And then I could hear them through the window. And to hear their voice, Daddy's home. And then to hear them hear the the door um, uh, knob turn and open. And they're there to greet me and they're jumping up and down and they're putting their arms around me. And that's one of the sweetest memories I have in my life. the instinct to be desiring daddy's return was replaced with a secondary impulse or instinct, and that was to hold out their hands and say, Dad, what did you get us? (laughs) And, you know, the kids were great because you could give them, (laughs) like if I'd forgotten... I'd always have something in my pocket. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about you. And I grab whatever's in my pocket, and they're like enthused. Things are different now. Like I can be gone for a long period of time, and I come in, and I'm the one saying, Daddy's home. And my son will say, What's up? But as they get older... As they get older, while they may lose their their enthusiasm about my return, their instinct to ask for stuff has not changed. (laughs) Good dads want to give their kids stuff. They just do. So why is it that Jesus would ask this man to give up his stuff? Listen to what it says. It says... Pull out my cheat sheet again. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And then this statement... You need to hear this. You will have treasure in heaven. Um, that's early, y'all. I'm not ready for that. That's the big crescendo. <laughs> I'll let you know when the big crescendo comes. Um, you lack like one thing, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Do you think he heard that? I don't think he did. I think what he heard was, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. That's what he heard. That's what he, that's what he heard. And he missed the greatest personal investment opportunity the world has yet ever known. Can you imagine meeting uh, a little nerdy uh, 20-something-year-old kid who comes up to you and says, imagine this some 30, 40 years ago, whenever it was that, Hey, um, I've figured out a way to turn, um, to, to, to make use of IBM's DOS program and, 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 uh, and to create some software that people will take, um, and purchase personal computers and they will use my software and I'm going to make a lot of money. And all I need is for you to invest in my little company. Back in the day, we had TVs and all that kind of stuff. We didn't think that computers was something that would be a household product. And probably in all likelihood, unless you're just an incredibly gifted forward thinker, you would have looked at that investment and said, no, you're crazy. You ain't getting any of my money. You're not getting any of my money. But can you imagine 30 years later, after having rejected that investment opportunity, how you would wake up every day and say to yourself, you idiot! <laughs> because that $10,000 right now would be worth millions of dollars. What Jesus is offering to This man is the greatest investment opportunity the world has yet ever known or have been offered. One of the reasons I think that we don't hear this very well is that we are functional existentialists. What do I mean? That only the here and now is what matters. But here's the reality. Everything in the here and now will fade away. Everything. I was in New Orleans and um, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, crossed a, uh, uh, went across Florida as a little Category 1 hurricane. So y'all got some nice little... It c- cooled Florida off is what it amounted to. Y'all got the good part of Katrina. Then it went out into the Gulf and it turned into a Category 5 Hurricane. And then it began to barrel right in the direction of, of New Orleans, Louisiana. Everything that I had worked for, everything that I had acquired, everything that I owned is gone. I got a phone call when I was in North Georgia having been exiled by the storm from Myron Celestine. He calls me and he says, Coach Mo." That's what they called me. Coach Mo, the flood line has reached, or the flood level has reached your roof line, which meant that everything in my house was underwater. Everything. I turned to my kids, and I tell them, And as much as they could understand, they knew that this was not a good thing. And they began to cry. But none like my daughter Maggie. Maggie just lost it. And her body was shaking, and she couldn't get control of herself. And so I came to her side, and I put my arms around her. And I said, honey, what are you thinking and Maggie said, Dad, I just wished I owned one thing in this life that would last forever. Let me uh, clue you in. There's only one thing in this life that you have the opportunity to invest in that will last Forever. The same opportunity that was granted to this rich young ruler is granted to you. Dislodge yourself from everything. Give it to those who so desperately need it. And then you will have treasures in heaven. And you'll begin to understand That the only treasure on earth is the kingdom of God itself. If we believed that, how would that change us? If we believed that, how would it revolutionize our lives? It would, wouldn't it? It is amazing how much time and energy and work and blood and sweat and tears that we and we spend on acquiring things that do not last. For instance, how much time this past week have you spent thinking about the presidential election? How much of your heart have you given to or, or how much of your sadness have you expressed in the coming presidential election? But let me tell you something. That will not last. But there is a kingdom that will last forever. That kingdom is at hand, John the Baptist said, in other words, that kingdom is within your reach. So transfer your sense of priorities away from things that do not last and invest in the thing that lasts forever, is what he's saying. This was a disturbing statement for, for Jesus to make. But then it was followed by another one. Because when the rich young ruler pulled away disappointed, Jesus said something else. He says, How hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It would be easier to, to drive a camel through the eye of a needle... Than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That bothered the disciples. And they asked, then who can get in? And Jesus said, with with man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. And then he uh, then Peter said, Lord, we left everything to follow you. And Jesus said to to them this, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come Eternal life. Let me tell you something. One of the things that we struggle with. In our theology. Is this. This. This thing. That salvation. And. And. And all the benefits. That come to us through Christ. Comes to us through grace. Those are our rewards. And our rewards. Come by grace. But there's two different types of rewards. And let me help. Clarify these things to you. There are the the rewards that come to us by grace. But there are also in the Bible very clearly what you might call achievement rewards. It's very obvious. Look up the word reward or look up the word prize in your concordance or in your little Bible search mechanism. Look it up and see how often it comes up. How often Paul refers to it that he will lay everything aside, he will he will uh, discipline his body for things that you know you're, nobody would be in their right mind willing to do in order that he might get the prize. And so there is a a, a sanctified way in which you and I can go after. The prize, the eternal rewards. And 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 so one of the reasons I assume that Antley asked or, or decided we were going to preach on this subject is, is to help reorient you towards being conscious of the reward of pursuing. And seeking the kingdom of God first. The kinds of things that, you know, I know that we're in a transition as a church. I know that we're reconsidering a lot of things. I know that we are. Um, but this whole thing is about His kingdom. And 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 the, the thing that... I think the leadership here would hate to see is that people would choose the things of this life temporary as they are dry and unsatisfying as they are that you would choose these things over his kingdom come but I'll tell you this the sacrifice that Jesus so so let me let me step back. Maybe Jesus did not issue to every one of us this the the this maybe he did not require of us that we go and sell every everything that we have and give it to the poor. That may be true, but I'll tell you this. The other promise that he made, that if you do, you will prosper, you will benefit, you will draw. Revenue and blessing and all kinds of things as a result of the sacrifice that you make. So while um, you, you, you may not need to accept this requirement or this thing, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor, but you can accept the, the awesome opportunity and take advantage of the opportunity that Christ gives to each and every one of us that if we sacrifice For his kingdom come. We won't regret it. Both in this life. And in the life to come. Now let me check. And see if I missed anything. So in closing. um, I think I preached. What was it like? Six weeks ago or so, I don't know. It was forgetful, I'm sure. Um, one thing that uh, I, I talked about the leper, and that he stretched out his hand and touched the leper, and in so doing became unclean, so that he might become clean. And I missed an opportunity. I I said that we need to be stretched. In order to to enter in and to see his kingdom come. But I forgot to mention this. That was not the last time. That Jesus stretched out his arms. And became unclean. So that we might be clean. Listen. The call to sacrificial, radically generous lifestyle is in the context of Jesus stretching out his arms. Leaving everything, becoming humiliated and crucified so that you might enjoy all the benefits of his kingdom. So all he's asking is that you you begin to do the same. Sacrifice towards His kingdom, and uh, and your investment will return to you many, many times over. You can trust Him. Let's pray together. Father, help us by Your Spirit. Applying the finished work of Jesus Christ into our hearts that we might set our sights and our hearts on the things that in the end last, endure. In other words, Lord, we want the King's reward.